Welcome to the St. Edward's Podcast, a church filled with the Holy Spirit. We hope that today's words will draw you closer to Christ Jesus. I came across a list this week that gave me 17 things to do if I wish to be miserable. And thinking of the good people here at St. Edward's, I thought maybe you would like some suggestions on how to be miserable too. So, Just the news you came to church for today, right? So here you go. Follow this list carefully to be miserable. Think, number one, think about yourself. Number two, talk about yourself. Number three, use I as often as possible. Four, mirror yourself continually in the opinion of others. Five, Listen greedily to what people say about you. Six, expect to be appreciated. Seven, be suspicious. Eight, be jealous and envious. Nine, be sensitive to slights. Ten, never forgive a criticism. Eleven, trust nobody but yourself. Twelve, Insist on consideration and respect. Thirteen, demand agreement with your own views on everything. Especially on social media, that really makes you happy. Fourteen, sulk if people are not grateful to you for favors shown them. Fifteen, never forget a service you have rendered. Sixteen, avoid your duties if you can. And seventeen, do as little as possible for others. So there you go, the miserable list. Now, let's look at one way to not be miserable. Not that it's easy or fashionable in society, but we are asked and commanded to do it. We pray it, we talk about it, we encourage others to do it, and that is this, forgive. Forgiveness is most certainly a theme in Lent, in fact, It is a theme all year round, and it is a theme and action that we must be reminded of often. And we can take great comfort from our first reading from the prophet Jeremiah, where he wrote that the Lord says, I will forgive their iniquity and remember their sin no more. And that is the kind of forgiveness we want from God, to be forgiven And with this forgiveness, to not have our sins counted against us. Praise the Lord. And this prophecy of Jeremiah was fulfilled in Christ Jesus, who conquered sin and death on the cross. He made a way for our salvation through the forgiveness of our sins. He took on our sins so that we who believe upon Jesus Christ, confessing our sin, may be set free to serve our Lord. As St. John wrote in his first letter, 1 John, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Forgiveness is not something you earn. It is something you are given. There's a little boy who was visiting Washington, D.C., and he came to the Washington Monument and noticed a guard standing by it. And the little boy looked up at the guard and said, I want to buy it. And the guard stooped down and said, how much do you have? 
The boy reached deep into his pocket and pulled out a quarter. The guard said, that's not enough. And the boy replied, I thought you'd say that. So he reached deeper into his pocket and again and pulled out nine cents more. And the guard looked down at the boy and said, you need to understand three things. First, 34 cents is not enough. In fact, 34 million is not enough to buy the Washington Monument. Secondly, the Washington Monument is not for sale. And third, if you're an American citizen, the Washington Monument already belongs to you. And we need to understand three things about forgiveness. First, we cannot earn it. Second, it's not for sale. And third, if we accept Christ, we already have it. We are forgiven when we receive the saving gift of the Holy Spirit and we walk in that forgiveness. And when we do sin, we confess and continue to walk in that forgiveness. And where it gets challenging is when we imitate the forgiveness of our Lord Jesus. As we follow the word of scripture, forgive each other just as in Christ God forgave you. And that, my friends, can be really, really hard. Our psalm today was the 51st psalm, and it showed up on Ash Wednesday, two, five weeks ago, when we began this season of Lent. Psalm 51 is a song of repentance by the Old Testament character King David. And in the psalm, he asked for God's mercy, saying, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your loving kindness. He asked for God to wash his sin away, saying, Wash me through and through from my wickedness and cleanse me from my sin. He acknowledges his wrongdoing, declaring, My sin is ever before me. I have done what is evil in your sight. And he asked for God to minister to him by the Holy Spirit, saying, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Sustain me with your bountiful spirit. Well, what did King David do? Well, he lusted after another man's wife. He raped her and covered it up with the abuse of his royal power and had the husband murdered. And yet we use this man's psalm of repentance in the Bible. Think about that. And we know the psalm well. It helps us to confess our sins. And with it, we celebrate the generosity of God's forgiveness. But what about the view from the other side? What about Bathsheba? Who was raped. And what about Uriah, her husband, who was murdered? Where is the justice? And right there we come face to face with the real life problem of forgiveness. Where is the justice? If you've been alive long enough, you have felt this tension too. You want me to forgive this person when in all likelihood they are going to get away with what they did? You want me to forgive this person when what they did to me has scarred me for life? They're not even around to make amends. What about my justice? What about my difficulties? What about the violence they did? Episcopal priest Fleming Rutledge writes, 
The question of forgiveness and compensation really should not be discussed apart from the question of justice. You see, what makes forgiveness so hard many times is that we think we have to put justice aside in order to forgive. And often because it seems that so much of what the Christian faith teaches is that we forgive no matter what in the sense of not seeking justice. As though forgiveness was the only main teaching of Christianity. Let's turn to Fleming Rutledge once again. She writes, Forgiveness in and of itself is not the essence of Christianity, though many believe it to be so. Forgiveness must be understood in its relationship to justice if the Christian gospel is to be allowed its full scope. Justice, like forgiveness, like love, is essential to our Christian faith. And forgiveness and love are held together with justice. And when we somehow separate them, we run into all kinds of trouble. And just because we forgive and also seek justice does not mean that we experience justice on this side of glory. We don't have to search far at all to find stories of how people get away with all kinds of actions escaping justice. We choose to forgive, and yes, sometimes it is a process. Often it is a process if it really hurts. And yet the justice we long for seems to slip from our grasp, making the process of forgiveness all the more difficult and long and painful. And our faith, our Christian faith, will direct us to only one place because it is only in one place where we find forgiveness and justice being made perfect together. The message of the cross of Jesus Christ is that only the creator of the universe can make perfect justice come out in the world that he created. And he did this in the body of his own son. It is in the suffering and death of Jesus Christ that we find forgiveness and justice held together. We might not see the wicked person, the racist, the murderer, the slanderer brought to justice today. But we know in the end God will make all things new. God's justice will go forth. For we serve a holy and just God. A loving God. For it is on the cross that Jesus declared, Father, forgive them. And it was also on the cross that Jesus declared, it is finished. Both of these words of Jesus hold together the tension between justice and mercy, between forgiveness and completion. Theologian Miroslav Volf writes these words, the cross is not forgiveness pure and simple, but God's setting aright the world of injustice and deception. The cross is the symbol and meaning of love. It is also the symbol and meaning of forgiveness. And it is also the symbol and meaning of justice. There will be a day when all the evils of this world will be set right with the return of the king, 
King Jesus, whose coronation was on the cross of victory. And as we wait for that day, whenever that day comes, we proclaim the forgiveness of sins and the cross of Jesus Christ. And we forgive those that sin against us because of the cross of Jesus Christ. And we work for justice in the here and now in the world of today because of the cross of Jesus Christ. And we know that one day all of these will be brought together in perfect peace with the return of our Lord. That is the message of the cross of Jesus. That we can walk in the faith and forgiveness and justice. Because we serve a good God, a loving God a just God and a forgiving God. May we share the good news of Jesus Christ. May we proclaim Christ Jesus crucified, walking in and sharing the forgiveness that has been given to us and walking by faith in the justice of God. As St. Paul said, the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Amen. Thank you for joining us in this conversation today. We will continue to pray that our teachings are impacting you for the kingdom of God. If you'd like to learn more about our community, you can find us on stedwardsepiscopal.com or on Facebook. And of course, we'd love for you to visit us in beautiful Mount Dora. May God's grace fill you as you go in peace.